Hey, welcome to Healthy and Empowered Living. I'm your host, Lauren Joyce, and I'm so excited to be with you today. I am passionate about helping women just like you ditch the diet culture and transform your body from the inside out without feeling selfish or taking up all your time. I believe living healthy can be simple and fun and ultimately allow you to deepen your relationship with God and walk more fully in the purposes He has for you. I've been where you are now. I've tried the diets and even got to my goal weight, but it left me feeling just as empty, insecure, and unfulfilled as I was before. It wasn't until I drew closer to God that I experienced that true confidence I was after. So grab your Bible, notebook, and coffee and get ready to finally experience joy and freedom in your health journey. Hey, before I jump into today's episode, I have a real quick question for you. Are you ready to make truly lasting changes in your life and health? Next week, I'm hosting a free masterclass. It's called How to Get Healthy and Fit for Life Without Obsessing Over Diet or Exercise. It's for Christian moms looking to live their healthiest and true confidence as the woman God created them to be. I'll be sharing all the insider info on how I live healthy and empowered each and every day and how you can too, including the top three mistakes you're probably making when it comes to getting healthy and fit and the three simple steps you need to follow instead why health is so much more than just eating and exercising, how you can live a healthy life, get fit and lose weight without following a strict plan, and what you need to do today to enjoy confidence and freedom in the decisions you make for your health and for the health of your family. I really hope you'll take the time to receive this free support available to you through an incredible masterclass. You can find all the details and register for free at healthyandempoweredliving.com forward slash free masterclass or find the link in the show notes. Can't wait to see you there. And now on to today's discussion about ways you can live healthy that aren't related to eating or exercise. Sometimes living healthy has to start with things other than food or exercise. And on the surface, this may sound crazy, but hear me out. I'm going to talk about three non-food or exercise related ways you can live healthy. And then I'll unpack a little more of why these things are important to live healthy as you eat or exercise. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is sleep. Now, this is one of the first things I work with my clients on because it's just that important. It might be the most important thing you can do for your health, physically and mentally. Sleep is crucial to your well-being because there is actual physical restoration and healing that happens in your body and brain while you sleep. And sleep is a gift from the Lord and a way of surrendering to Him. I've heard it said many times that resting in the Lord is another way of saying trusting in the Lord. So if you think about it, choosing to prioritize sleep is not only good for your physical and mental health, but also for your spiritual health because you're surrendering to the Lord and saying, I'm choosing to trust that God's got everything while I sleep and I can let go of control and and take care of my body because God will take care of me and the things going on in my life. Okay, now that I've talked a little bit about why sleep is important to your health, let me touch on what lacking sleep might look like for you. Because you may be in a place where you don't even realize that lacking sleep is the real problem going on. So I really encourage you to think about some of these symptoms and and be honest with yourself and assess where you are in making sleep a priority in your life. I do want to add here, too, that the recommended amount of sleep that you get per night is between like seven and nine hours. Now, to some of you, that may seem like a lot, but I promise that you can do it and you will be grateful you do. So if you are regularly not getting enough sleep, you might experience things like drowsiness, fatigue, lack of focus, forgetfulness, irritability, impatience. You might begin to lack motivation to get things done. You might notice your ability to make good decisions decreases or goes away completely. 
you might feel like you have no self-control or you struggle to connect with others or you may feel stressed out all the time or like you can't settle your mind down. And there's so many more things. And this is all just from a lack of sleep. But have you stopped to think about the benefits of getting good sleep regularly? See, on the flip side, you'll improve your mood. You'll experience a sharpened memory and focus. You'll have an increased ability to learn new things. You'll have energy for your day and more capacity to make better decisions about other things in your life. And you'll likely decrease your stress as you practice this act of surrendering to God and, and prioritizing things in your life. I want to note two things here. The first is that once you begin to prioritize sleep, it will take time for you to experience some of these benefits. It's not like uh, once you get one good night's sleep that everything will magically be better. Like That's why I talk about this as setting sleep as a priority to make it a regularly occurring thing in your life. The second is that sometimes there are truly other like more serious health things going on. If you do struggle with insomnia or other sleep disorders, like please talk to your doctor. Okay, I wanna to touch quickly on a few things that can affect your sleep that you might not have thought about yet, or maybe they are, you have thought about them, but don't realize how big an effect that they have on your sleep. So caffeine, alcohol, stress, and screen time can all get in the way of a good night's sleep. And some of these will likely affect you more than others. So it's important to use some trial and error when you're considering what, might, what you might need to change to get some better sleep. So let's touch on caffeine and alcohol first. I think caffeine is probably an obvious one because it's a stimulant that keeps you going. So when you last ingest anything with caffeine, you have a, it can have a huge impact on your sleep. It's recommended that you stay away from caffeine at least a few hours before you're trying to go to sleep. But for some, like me personally, I try to avoid it anytime later than about noon in order to make sure that I can fall asleep easily like when I plan to. Alcohol and sleep are an interesting pair too. It seems counterintuitive to think that alcohol, which probably typically makes you sleepy or relaxes you, can affect your sleep, but it actually causes you to have disrupted sleep during the night because your body is processing the alcohol over a number of hours. So even though you may fall asleep quickly, you'll likely wake up or have this disrupted sleep as your body finishes processing what's all in your system. It's recommended, just like caffeine, that you stop drinking alcohol several hours before you plan to go to sleep so that your body has that time to fully process it and you'll be able to sleep more solidly through the night. Now, stress is probably another obvious one, but likely look, looks like your mind racing as soon as your head hits the pillow with all the things you have to do the next day or maybe racing from processing through the things that happened during that day. Um, first, I, I want you to remember that resting and sleeping is a way of, of surrendering and showing the Lord your trust. Like he's got all the things so you can release that worry and anxiety to him. Um, second, there are two practical things that I have found super helpful in de-stressing before trying to fall asleep. So journaling is a great way to get everything out of your head and onto paper so that you can know that you don't have to try and remember everything or process everything as you're trying to fall asleep. It'll be there first thing in the morning to so that you can remind yourself. And praying is another great way to fall asleep. I've found that it's way better than counting sheep, actually. So, you know, talk to the Lord. Tell him about your day. Tell him all about what's stressing you out, what's on your mind. Um, begin praying for the things that are coming up the next day or, you know, whatever you're thinking about that is causing your mind to race, that trying to fall asleep is a great time to take that all to the Lord. And I find that I sleep so much more peacefully if I fall asleep praying. Lastly, screen time. Mm, this is a big one. 
And there's a twofold problem with it. Not only does the light that comes from the screen you're looking at mess with your circadian rhythms, but you will also end up with your mind overstimulated with whatever you're watching on TV or seeing on social media. So my best advice is to cut out screen time at least 30 minutes before you try to fall asleep. But if you can avoid it the entire evening, that is really even better. Okay, I can't talk about sleep without talking about morning and evening routines. People often focus more on how to improve the efficiency of their morning routine, but I found that the morning routine actually starts the night before. You can set yourself up for success the next day by doing some of your typical morning tasks the night before and making sure that you're getting the, poss the best possible night's sleep. So for your evening routine, having a certain set of things to do every single night before you go to sleep can help you fall asleep quicker, stay asleep longer, and really get better quality sleep overall. And for a morning routine, if you're the kind of person that snoozes a million times before finally rolling out of bed, something in your morning routine might not quite be right. You should enjoy your morning time. It should be something that helps you wake up and mentally prepare for the day. I go into way more details on specific ways that you can improve your evening and morning routines in my free guide, Five Ways Christian Moms Can Live Healthy. So go ahead and snag your copy of that at healthyandempoweredliving.com forward slash resources. I'll share just briefly about my personal routines that help me get the best quality sleep I can, which allows me to wake up early enough to get all that I want out of my mornings before the kids get up, which is really key for me. So my evening routine actually starts with the kids getting into bed. Um, so their routine is typically, you know, bath or shower, brushing teeth. We get their pajamas on, we get them into their rooms, and we always read a story, get them tucked in, pray, and, and sing a quick song to them. My kids love Jesus Loves Me. My older one doesn't let me sing that so much anymore. But um, it's the same thing every night. And it's so funny. My husband and I always talk about how we feel like as soon as we walk out of their rooms and they're tucked in for the night that we feel tired because our minds are so trained by their routine um, that then our bodies start feeling like they're ready to go to sleep too. But a lot of times I can't just go straight to sleep after the bed. The boys go to sleep. So I... Um, get myself ready for the morning. So this is where uh, my evening routine really translates into my success in the mornings. So to prepare for my morning, I always get my coffee maker ready. A lot of times, actually in the summer, it's summer here at the time of this recording, I will make coffee the night before in a mug and stick it in the fridge. And then I have ice cold coffee in the morning when I wake up. Um, so I get my coffee ready. So that's ready to go. And then we have dogs who can be really loud in the morning, especially if I'm trying to serve up their food. So I'll get their dog food ready to go and put it away in a pantry where they can't get to it. And then first thing in the morning to keep them quiet, I'll um, get out their food. And then I always make sure that I have my everything that I need ready for the morning. So if I'm planning an exercise routine, you know, I'll get a water bottle for the gym, a towel, um, you know, whatever it may be that I need, my headphones, and also make sure that my my quiet time area is ready. And so for me, my quiet time area is a chair in our living room. So I always make sure that on the table next to the chair is, um, you know, my water cup for the morning. I have my Bible, my journal, whatever else I might need um, to get that all ready. And so that's kind of my typical routine there. And then after that, you know, my husband and I are going to hang out or whatever. If we have some extra time, then we do that. But usually it's pretty much straight to bed, you know, doing all the normal getting ready for bed stuff like brushing teeth and getting PJs on. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about that, but that's my typical evening routine. And 
I, I find that as I'm laying my head down on the pillow, you know, I'm, I'm ready for bed. I have done all of these things that trigger my mind to, to be ready for sleep. Now, my morning routine, which I kind of hinted at already, it always starts with coffee and Jesus. Um, so I'll get up and quietly feed the dogs, let them outside so that they are away from waking up the kids. I'll grab my coffee and I sit down in my quiet time chair, which is the same place that I sit down every single morning. And so I know just mentally I'm ready to to just be with the Lord and, and receive from him and um, and just worship him and learn from him. So after that... I usually go and get a workout in or go straight to getting myself ready for the day, depending on um, whatever the day is. So I try to get myself completely ready before the kids get up so that once they are up and out of out of bed, I can focus on them and I, I can give them my full attention instead of feeling stressed. Like I have to get myself ready at the same time as I'm trying to get them ready. So from there, it's the usual breakfast probably more coffee most days and then getting the kids wherever they're going. And then I get to work or onto whatever else I have planned for the day. So that was kind of a lot, but that's me in a nutshell between the hours of about 8 PM and 8 AM. I'm sure that's probably more than y'all wanted to know, but hopefully that gives you some ideas um, and just a little sneak peek into, you know, what my life looks like too. Okay. So the second thing that I want to talk about for living healthy in a non-food or exercise related way is managing your thoughts and living in mindfulness. So how you think can have a huge impact on your ability to live healthy and be healthy. I mean, this can affect everything from having a positive attitude about circumstances to living with an attitude of gratefulness and enjoying everything around you to having the mental and emotional capacity to make your best decisions and love those around you in the best way possible. So the first thing I want to say is that you have the power to choose the way you think and realizing just how much your thoughts influence your decisions is so important. We are called to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 10 and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you do not conform to this world in Romans 12. This requires both being aware of your thoughts and then choosing the truth. It's a constant action. It will always take work and intentionality, and it's not easy, but it's doable. We read that Paul writes in in Philippians to think on whatever is pure, true, lovely, noble, etc. You know, why would he tell people to think on those things if it weren't possible to do so? So I think it's possible to train your mind to naturally gravitate towards those things, to thinking those things more quickly or more easily, but it takes time and effort to get to that place of focusing more on the truth in the Bible and of who God is and and says you are than believing the lies that the enemy feeds us to keep us discouraged or distracted. So living in positivity and in control of your thoughts can lead to a joyful full, satisfying, and purpose-filled life. It can allow you to process your emotions in healthy ways and and connect with and serve others and grow in deeper relationship with God. A big part of being able to live in awareness of your thoughts and then to begin to think on the truth is living in a mindful way, living in a way that creates the time and the space and awareness you need. I did a whole episode on mindfulness with my former client, Sadie. So if you want to hear more about this topic specifically, uh, check it out. It's episode number seven. I want to give you three tools that I use with clients to help you live more in more joy and positivity and more aware of your thoughts and how they're impacting your health. So the first way is journaling. I think journaling is a really helpful way. 
Um, whether you're simply writing down a few things that you're grateful for each day or writing everything out that happened and how you feel about it. Taking this time allows you to really begin to process through those thoughts and emotions that have come up throughout each day. And the next is overcoming negativity and encouraging yourself with truth. And this is another tool that you can practice. Um, this is one, this one is especially helpful if you've already identified some of those thoughts that you tell yourself that you'd really rather replace. So every time you come across a negative thought, take a moment to replace that thought with something truthful and encouraging instead. You know, you can even write yourself little notes to keep around your house, post Bible verses on your bathroom mirror in your car, you know, whatever it takes to help you remember and let those truths really sink in to replace those negative thoughts. And lastly, slowing down and spending time intentionally silent. And when you stop multitasking, you slow down and actually allow your mind to wander in silence, then you begin to really notice how your mind works and, and how your thoughts, how the thoughts you're thinking can influence all that you do. This intentional silent time takes a lot of discipline because you have to plan for it and practice. Now, prayer is a great way to start your silent time, inviting the Lord into that time to speak truth over you and fill your mind and your heart afresh during that time. And you'd be surprised how refreshed you can feel after sitting and doing nothing but listening to the Lord for some time. I think we live in a world riddled with overstimulation and multitasking, so it's very against what we're used to. But I would love to hear how it goes for you if you try this. Or if this is a part of your usual routine, how do you feel like it helps you take your thoughts captive and replace them with truth? Okay, the last one I want to talk about is goals and visions, like setting goals and having visions for where you want to go. Knowing your purpose and having a vision for where you are going can give you great joy and empower you to truly live as your healthiest self, you know, stewarding all that you've been given for the glory of God. Having this big picture mindset can help you prioritize, find balance, and most importantly, stay in alignment with what God is calling you to do. I think of when Jesus says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is the most important thing, that you keep focused and aligned with God through whatever it is you're pursuing in life. It's only when you're walking in alignment with him and all that he has planned for your life that you will experience true joy, confidence, peace, and fulfillment. Once you've figured out what it is you're working toward, you can begin thinking about what you need to do to live that out. And really, the what here often becomes a who. I've found that the more that I think about my own personal goals and visions and work with other women who are thinking about these things in alignment with the Lord, it often comes down to who we want to be more than what we want to do. While thinking of the big picture is great, it can also be really overwhelming at times. You know, feelings of being stuck can come from an unfulfilling job, a draining relationship, or just a meh state of mind. It turns out that means you might be striving for the wrong things or letting your eyes wander from God onto distractions of the world. You know, people who pursue external pleasures or extrin extrinsic goals is what it's called, such as fame or wealth, are demonstrably less happy than those who seek deeper, more meaningful internal goals like relationships or personal growth, which are, you know, would be those intrinsic goals. Extrinsic goals tend to need validation from others, whereas intrinsic goals solely focus on what you need and how you can get that filled from God first. Now, it takes action on our part of seeking God and his will. I love the reminder in Proverbs 16, 9 that says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I believe this speaks to the fact that we have to be diligent to have a plan, 
however your heart posture should be, then to hold that plane with open hands before the Lord and allow him to lead you through it each step of the way. I want to pause for a moment here on this topic and share a reminder that living healthy is a lifestyle and not an end goal. This is why this topic is so important to living healthy. When you have goals and visions to work toward for your health and then you reach those, what happens next? Being in the habit of reevaluating and realigning your goals and your visions as you travel the road of developing a healthy lifestyle, all while keeping your eyes focused on the Lord, is key. Okay, let's talk practical here. I want to share a common goal setting strategy that I use with my clients and then a mindset shift that I work with them on when it comes to meeting those goals. So once you have a bigger picture or vision of where you're going or what you're working towards, it's important to break that down into smaller steps or goals. I think of it like rungs of a ladder that you climb. So you'll get closer to the top, but you have to stay focused on each rung one at a time. Otherwise, you might slip up and fall, right? So SMART goals are a common goal-setting technique that can really help you continue climbing that ladder to your bigger picture. It's a mnemonic that stands most commonly for specific measurable, attainable, relevant, or rewarding in some cases, and time-bound. So for example, if your goal is to lose weight, you'll want to set a goal such as I will lose 10 pounds in three months. You know, this is a specific amount of weight. It's measurable. It's attainable because it's safe to lose about one to two pounds per week. And it's relevant or rewarding because losing weight allows you to participate more, more easily in family activities, you feel better about yourself or, you know, whatever that motivation is. And it's time bound because you put a time frame on it that you would like to accomplish this weight loss in three months. Does that make sense? So once you set that smart goal, then the fun begins because you get to start figuring out the how. So will you lose weight by cutting calories and eating more fruit and veggies, exercising more, drinking more water, You know, there's some trial and error that comes with this part, as well as the need for some expert knowledge around what your body actually needs during the weight loss process or where you might need to focus your efforts in changing some current habits that are going to benefit your weight loss. Okay, back on topic, though. Um, Figuring out the how leads into that mindset shift that I want to share. So when you set goals, it opens up the possibility of not meeting those goals, right? Or not being able to follow the plan that you set out for or whatever. Notice I didn't use the word failure. I always tell my clients, I don't allow the use of the F word in our sessions because it's not about succeeding or failing, F word being failing for those that didn't catch that. It's about succeeding or learning. So if you didn't meet your goal or you feel like you failed somehow, what can you learn from that? How can you treat your obstacle as a stepping stone to keep you moving forward rather than a stumbling block stays in your way and keeps you going, keeps you from moving forward. Okay, so a quick recap of the three non-diner exercise related ways you can live healthy. One, getting enough sleep, making rest a priority, recognizing that not only does that improve your health, but it also allows you to practice trusting the Lord more. Number two was creating an awareness around your thoughts or making sure that your mind is filled with the truth instead of the lies of the enemy. And three, being in the habit of focusing on your vision, your bigger picture of where you're going, and then setting goals in order to get yourself there, all while keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord first. And knowing that when you have plans, holding them with open hands before the Lord should be your top priority. Now, I kind of touched on the why each of these things is important to living healthy already, but I want to expand on that a little more. For sleep and rest, 
When your body has been able to recharge and reset and your mind is less stressed and overstimulated because of the sleep that you are getting, then you'll find that you have the physical and mental capacity to choose exercise and nutritious foods. When you're tired, how often does cooking or exercise or even time with God go out the window? You know, for me, it's a lot. So getting enough sleep feeds into your ability to eat well and get the movement that your body needs. For thinking about your thoughts, being aware of whether they are negative or full of gratitude or whether they are even true can influence your decisions and even how you see yourself or others. For example, if you constantly are thinking that you messed up, you ate all the wrong things, you couldn't help yourself when it came to eating too much dessert or whatever, you'll find yourself in a spiral of negative thinking about yourself. You might begin to think that you aren't good enough. You'll never be able to do enough. No one will love you for how you look because you can't seem to do the things you need to do to lose weight. And the spiral goes on, but I think you get the point. Things you think about lead to the choices that you make, which leads to the outcome. But don't let your identity get wrapped up in all of that. If you eat a food you have labeled bad, you are not a bad person. If you miss a workout because you choose to sleep and called it laziness, you are not a lazy person. Do you get the difference? Label the action, not yourself. Speak truth and life from the Bible and the character of God who created you as you are over yourself. Lastly, the habits of having a vision and goal setting and doing it with your eyes on the Lord and to keep growing in relationship with him. It will keep you aligned with what he has for your life and allow you to continually find your identity and your satisfaction in him rather than whatever the world might be telling you. When you allow the Lord to lead you in your health journey, whether it be to lose weight, get fit, or simply feel well, you will not be led astray by how the world defines health. And you will do it solely for the purpose of glorifying God and growing closer to him and living out the purpose that he has for you to show his love and, and to love those around you. I also want to point out here that the enemy loves, loves, loves to distract us with what we see as quote unquote good things like being healthy or getting in shape or whatever it might be. Again, doing those things apart from the Lord will only keep you distracted and consumed with trying to find satisfaction and love through how the world defines health. It's always a hopeful reminder that God has great plans and purposes for you. What you do with that promise and hope is the key. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. My encouragement for you is to trust that God has plans and purposes for your life. He has plans and purposes for the way in which you choose to live healthy and, and to seek him for what those are, and then walk faithfully in obedience to all he's calling you to do and to be. Thanks for listening today. If you're loving what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes each week. And if you're not already a part of the Joyful Health for Christian Moms Facebook community, we'd love to have you. We aren't meant to do this thing alone, so come find the support and encouragement you need on your journey to healthy and empowered living. Also, if you're interested in working with me through my coaching program, you can book a free discovery call or email me to learn more. You'll find all the links to connect with me in the show notes. Until next time.